The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you. As uh, it is, we're heading towards mid-October, man. Football season's heating up, and we've got a big one coming up here for you against uh, against the Memphis Tigers as the UCF Knights continue on their 18-game winning streak. we got a lot to talk about uh, this week on the show. Like I said, Eric Lopez is here. Brian Murphy's here. Our special guest is going to be Jeff Brightwell from the uh, University of Memphis uh, Radio Network to talk about the Tigers. Eight, uh, UCF with an 18-game winning streak coming in. And uh, as Brian Murphy mentioned, it is old enough to vote. So, Brian, uh, is it actually already registered in the state of Florida or no? Jeffrey, I have a question. Would it, what party would UCF's winning streak be labeled under? Is it, is it independent? Is it, a, is, it, is it Democrat? Republican? Is it the Green Party? Whichever one, whichever one supports the license plate that says 2017 National Champions, I think that's the one that you need to go. For. We act, we are actually already on board with that. So, which whoever's in charge. <laughs> so, we've got a lot to talk about here. Black and Gold Banneret is where you want to uh, go. We are SB Nation's home for UCF sports. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric Lopez Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy, uh, and also make sure uh, you follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash black and gold banner, and subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. All right, let's dive on in, fellas. UCF Memphis, 3.30 kick on ABC for much of the country, ESPN2 for, uh, I guess, parts west. Um, Memphis comes in 4-2, and two. Their wins are against the following. By the way, all of them at home. Mercer, Georgia State, South Alabama, and UConn last week. They scored 52 points at least in each one of those games. Uh, However, in their losses, they've scored 21 and 24 against the only two conference opponents, or excuse me, two of the three conference opponents that they they faced, Navy uh, on the road and Tulane on the road. And the Tulane game was a real disaster for them on uh, ESPN2 on, uh, on a Thursday night. But... Here they are, ABC, chance to avenge the uh, conference, or the American Athletic Conference championship game from last year. Of course, that 62-55 overtime game that um, certainly left a lot of UCF fans like yours truly um, in a catatonic state. One of the most bizarre days in the history of uh, UCF sports in general. Um I wrote on blackandgoldbanneret.com this week, this game just scares the living tar out of me. Even though UCF um, got the victory, you know, got picked up another win last week over uh, SMU by dropping 48 points on him uh, at home uh, and doing so in, you know, not exactly the most crazy, impressive fashion. Am I wrong, Brian Murphy? Well, Jeffrey, I will say that you panicking is just sort of your homeostatic way of being. Uh, I wasn't. I, I, listen, I think I deserve a little bit of credit here. I have not been panicking. No, this no year. absolutely not. You do not because you started panicking on Monday. Usually, you <laughs> panic on like a Friday. Yeah, you panic on Monday, Jeff. I don't know, man. There was just something. I, something about this game just doesn't feel right. I don't like that it's on the road. I don't like that it's against a team that you know we beat in 
dramatic fashion last year. They're they're going to be ready for us. This is their Super Bowl. Um, I don't know, man. This just it's. I I feel like this this has the potential to be what Bill Simmons calls the no effing way game, where they suddenly do everything right, and then we can't do everything right, and then all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter. You look up, and you're down forty one twenty four, and you're like, what do we do now? You know, I, I I don't know. Tell me tell me why I'm wrong. I mean, you well, you're you're probably wrong because like half of your argument just there was a bunch of like cliches I know, and I know. old. I'm violating old my subjective, own rules. <laughs> yeah, old subjective sort of non-analytic feeling stuff that really doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I would say this, like, yes, Memphis what is good. What you say they, doesn't they could, matter. <laughs> it doesn't. No, yeah, right. And Memphis is good. Like they're going to score a lot. That's the reason why. What's the over under for this game? Eighty one. Okay, so I, it's out. It's getting out of control. I, I mean, that's that's a that, that is an absolutely insane. Well, you say that, Merv. You say that, but that last year's title game was sixty two fifty five. I know. I, mean, I, I know. I know. But it but it's just weird that like Vegas, which typically I think Vegas is fairly conservative with these things, is saying like, nope, both these teams are going to top forty. We got it. We know that's going to happen. Which is it, it's. I know how. No matter how good these teams are on offense, it's still kind of nuts to. Wrap my I can't wrap my, my brain around it. Um, I will just say this. So yes, we know Memphis can score. Daryl Henderson is amazingly good. Like you could you could have so much fun just going through Daryl Henderson's stats, the running back for the, the the lead running back for Memphis, going through his stats and seeing how he compares to the rest of the nation. It's amazing how how far out in front he is to so many uh, you know in front of the rest of the country in FBS, mm. but. This is a Memphis team that, again, defensively uh, has dealt with injuries. That's why the Tulane game was really, a, you know, it was an awful loss. But part of that was because they had they were nursing injuries that entire game. And if you look at the wins and you just list them, Jeff, there's nothing there that inspires a hint of confidence. They beat a Mercer team, which is kind of like South Carolina State. They're not in the FBS. They beat two Sun Belt teams who are sub-500. And they beat possibly – the worst team in the FBS, UConn. Now, so has UCF, but at least UCF has faced a respectable FAU team and a somewhat decent AAC, AAC, ACC team in Pitt. Like, Memphis has has no skins on its walls they can really smile about. Like, all of its wins have, like, against, like, there's been, they've not been tested. So, I think as good as this team is, we really don't know how, like, we really don't know how good Memphis is at all because they haven't been tested by anybody, and the, the teams that in, the teams they've lost to are the teams that they were tested by, like Navy or Tulane, and they lost to them. Some of the things that I think are really something about now. You mentioned Daryl Anderson from Batesville, Mississippi, who's having a year which I, I don't even think this is even. It, it, you can it, it's almost incomprehensible how good the season he's he's having right now. Uh, he's got nine hundred thirty four yards. Uh, by far and away the best in uh, FBS. He is, uh, he's got 12 touchdowns in six games. Um, three, he scored three against UConn his uh, last time out. By the way, 79 carries on the year, which works out to 11.8 yards per carry. And he's only a junior. That is unbelievable. He's, uh, he's actually 80, uh, excuse me, 70, almost 70 yards ahead of of the guy who's second in the country 
in total rushing yards. That's Jamar Jefferson of Oregon State. So, you know, obviously part of that is like he's just been breaking off massive chunks left and right. But uh, but yet, you know, here's Memphis, and we bring this up with Jeff Brightwell. Um, they are the uh, they and UCF are both in the top ten in rushing offense in the country and yet they're both in the hundreds in time of possession which just gives you an idea of you know the sort of pace that these offenses play at um you mentioned the over under is set at 81 the highest over under at least uh, looking back from what i've been able to find according to odd shark was cal oregon in 2016 which was a which was an 89 closing total um yeah could you imagine um but uh, 2012, this is amazing. 2012, uh, there was a Baylor-West Virginia game that I think you guys probably remember. Over-under was 85. The total ended up being 133 in that game. But um, yeah, there's just something about the fact that, you know, when I've seen UCF and their rushing, and their rushing defense, um, you know, what, some of the things that, uh, that FAU was able to do against UCF kind of give me a little bit of pause even though they were able to take care of business. Um, is, do you have any concerns, Brian, looking at this looking at this matchup and saying, okay, if UCF is going to trip up here, this is what's going to happen? Well, sure. I mean, we know their run defense has not been like stellar all the way through. They were pretty good against yeah. SMU, but SMU is not a good running team. Like They were not a good running team coming into that game. Um so yeah, could could I see Daryl Henderson like ripping off two fifty in this game because UCF can't stay you know gap sound and they over pursue with their attacking mm-hmm. defense? Like I, I definitely could. Um, so that's probably how they get beat. I do think they'll be able to force uh, the quarterback as Brady White into uh, you know, at least a turnover or two. Uh, that'll help. But it, you know, Randy Shannon said on Tuesday, you know, this is not about one player. We got to focus on the entire Memphis team. Well, I, that's that's the correct way to look at it, uh, but this really is about what UCF does against Daryl Henderson because I mean he's the engine to that entire offense. He sets up that passing game. Right. If they shut him down and put everything on White's shoulders, UCF's got this team where it wants them. Then that secondary can can start baiting him and start picking him off, and they will. Um, it, it comes down to what can this defense do against Daryl Henderson. And again, they they've played better against the run recently, but this is a completely different kind of animal. And if you want to compare it to what they did against Devin Singletary, which wasn't great. They missed a lot of tackles. He had a lot of chunk yard gains. And Henderson brings a lot more speed, a lot more. So uh, it's going to be dangerous in that sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we look at um, the chances that UCF have coming in, they th- this is according to uh, ESPN's uh, FPI, their, uh, their, their uh, advanced analytics for college football, of the six remaining games that UCF has on the schedule, this game has the lowest UCF chance of them winning. It's still over 50% at 53.9% chance of them winning the game. Um, but that's still, <laughs> see, again, that gives me pause because there's something about this matchup that it just kind of, it just makes me nervous. You know, when you get into a track meet with somebody, you never know what kind of, crazy stuff can happen and i and i know you laugh at me brian but um last year during that conference yes. championship game when when memphis was lining up for what would have been the game-winning field goal at the end of regulation i know you kept saying 
There's no way that kid's going to make it. But the fact is, they were attempting it. And as far as I know, if you got the field goal, if you got the field goal uh, team out there at the end of regulation, you just never know if that guy, if the kid's going to actually hit the home run that you, that that he end, if he's going to actually hit the home run or not. You know. Um, and that's how close UCF came against this Memphis team. I know there's been a lot of changes. No more Riley Ferguson. No more Anthony Miller. But what? Why? I mean, did you not watch them play Tulane? Like, what is it that you have seen this year that would suggest to you that all of a sudden Memphis is this legitimate threat? Are they going to move the ball? Of course they are. They're going to move the ball. But yeah. there is no signs that Memphis can even come close to slowing down this UCF offense. But they can score points, and and they can score points yeah, via the running. The good defense, the, do we know that? Do we know that they could score? Because they didn't score a lot against Tulane, and they didn't score a lot against Navy. Fair point. And I think we would agree this is by far, by far. It's not even close. UCF's by far the most talented defense Memphis has seen all year round, all year mm-hmm. long. I mean, the Memphis schedule was garbage. It's absolute yeah. garbage. They haven't beaten anybody of any good. We, now, the only thing that could pop up is it's a home game. Okay. Right. There's that. National, national TV, like, they're ready to go for that. It's against a team that, uh, that there's a history. For, and I know, again, uh, but it's a, it's a road game for UCF. Yeah, but it's not an intimidating place. They don't care about football up there. Let's be honest. They, they're, <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know, man. You, you don't think that they're going to turn out for this game? No. Uh, I didn't say that. I think they'll draw, but it's not like an intimidating place. I don't think anybody's saying, hey, let's go. We're going to be in the Liberty Bowl. Jeff, I, Jeff, are you sure you want to post this podcast? Oh, man. I don't care if I get dragged by Memphis people, to be honest with you. I, I, you know, we've, heard, we've heard all those arguments about attendance before. But, um, you know, ABC, number nine team in the country coming in, and uh, yeah, I don't know. But um, – can, we, can I can I can I say two things here? Like I I like how Eric just takes what I say and just gives it a a, a really like upper level he, of, he gives of convincing it a, that I that I can't yeah, that I can't bring myself. Yeah, to he do. he gives he gives he takes what you say, which is very measured, and then uh-huh. gives it a gives it a cappuccino. Yeah, and I love it because it's what I want to say, but I don't want to go on that limb. And he's like, "Screw it! Here's what this is about." This is why I love you guys. That's kind of what I want to say, but with like less authority. Um, I also say this: uh, the the like just to go back to the thing from last year, like they were setting up for the field goal to win the game. Like, yeah, you know how they got that position because McKenzie Milton made a really dumb throw over the goal. Yeah, so the interception. Right. Guess what? Don't turn the ball over. And that'll really help. I mean, I, I really think that, like it's so simple. It really is when you go through all this. Like, okay, what are the keys to winning this game? I don't know. Stop the run. Don't turn the ball over. Force more turnovers on the other side. Like, yeah, that that sounds about right. My, my Jeff, if I were you, I would mortgage your house right now. Call Vegas. Oh boy, mortgage the house. Take the and lay UCF with the four and a half right now. Okay. Hey, well, I was going to say, foreign family can buy a new house in Hawaii. I can't. I mean, this is a, there is no reason this game should be a four and a half point spread. None. There is. I, I'm blown away. I'm okay. stunned. Now, th- then, why point. is it? I think because of a. I think people have more too much. I think they look at Memphis at home as this. You know what they've played well. They have played well at home in recent yeah. years. Because it didn't. Because the line hasn't and, moved. By the way, very much. It opened at no. four. Uh, no, and I think, you know, it's interesting. This has been the game that everybody has circled. And I think part of this goes back to what Murph said at the beginning of the year and has been consistent all year about 
UCF will not go undefeated. And I feel like a lot of people have already predetermined that this would be the game, if they're going to trip up, this is the game they're going to trip up because Memphis is playing for revenge and it's at Memphis and they could score points and this or that, which I would agree with, except there's this thing we called we played the games on the field and Memphis has not been impressive at, at all. They played two teams with a pulse and lost to both of them. All right, I feel better. I feel better already. I <laughs> they've only defeated they've only defeated dead people, Jeffrey. Yes, yeah. No, yeah. read me the wins again. Read those wins again. You all right. Go ahead. Uh, the wins the are win all right. All four wins are at home. Yeah. Uh both the losses are on the road, I will mention. Yep. Uh the wins are uh sixty six fourteen over Mercer. Woo! Fifty nine twenty two over Georgia State. Whoa! Fifty two thirty five <laughs> over South Alabama. And fifty-five fourteen over UConn. I mean, there was, I mean, I, I don't even. I mean, I mean, if you want some bell, I guess that's a good schedule. I mean, I there, there's a lot of bad teams. I mean, it's funny people want to you know give UCF a hard time with a you know their schedule strength. I mean, that makes UCF look like the you know they play in the you know the you know the knockout stage. You know the death row of scheduling. I mean, that is a soft. Memphis is the biggest disappointment to this point. They should have been undefeated going into this game. At I least think you're five. right about that. Yeah, they should have been. This should have been a top twenty-five matchup, and they didn't. They they've been disappointing. Yeah. Now, could they play and rise to the occasion and play well? But yes. But I think the only way this game is close is if UCF helps it make it close, whether it be turnovers. Or some missed tackles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, missed tackles against a guy like Henderson. That could be a problem. Um, if Vegas is trying to get equal action on both sides of the spread, uh, they're doing a very bad job of it because 66, or excuse me, 68% of the money is on UCF minus the 4.5. 64% um, mm -hmm. of the money is on the over of 81. Now, I mentioned that the line hasn't moved. Very much has opened at four, went up to four and a half. Um, the over under opened up at seventy five and a half, and has moved up to eighty one. And people are still banging the over. So uh, the man, it's they're expecting a lot of now, points and a UCF Jeffrey, victory that, pretty pretty that, pretty that clearly. Could mean right? that like that could mean UCF wins like fifty one thirty. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's not that crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see the game. I could see a final score like that, fifty-one thirty. Now, let me, let me ask you this, and and we'll, we'll and we'll take a quick break afterwards, and then we'll go uh, over to Jeff Brightwell and get his perspective for Memphis. But um, all right, so UCF comes in. This the, the big story after the big story after the week because of the, some of the things that happened in front of him. And this is what I was telling you guys would happen is you know the biggest thing for UCF is keep winning and then get some help, and attrition might help you out. The Knights moved up uh, a couple. Of, the Knights moved up three spots in the AP, four in the coaches poll. They're number nine in the coaches, ten in the Associated Press now. Uh, and like I mentioned, this game at Memphis is, according to ESPN's FPI, and I don't know what goes into this formula, but um, according to their FPI formula, this is, that this is going to be UCF's toughest game the rest of the way. They have a fifty-three point nine percent chance of winning this game. The other games that they have against. Um, ECU at ECU, which would be uh, which is set, set scheduled for next week. 
93.7 for UCF. They got a 94.3 against Navy, 84.7% against Temple, 75% against Cincinnati, even a 66% chance of winning, according to ESPN, on uh, uh, at USF. So they think that this game will actually be a tougher lift for UCF than the USF game. Uh, and USF is ranked 23rd, by the way, and Cincinnati is ranked 25 in both polls, which was actually good to see. If UCF gets through this game, is the path to 12-0 and 0 just clear for them the rest of the way, do you guys think? And Eric will start no. with you. No? Oh, sorry. Okay. Sorry, no, Murph, jump in. I'll Murph, let, jumped I'll, in. Murph you, ju- go, go, you Murph. jumped in. I'll go ahead. No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> now you, Eric. <laughs> That's all you got? Now, Eric. Um, <laughs> All right, so you're not counting the conference title game. Not counting I'm the conference assuming. title game. Because I personally think – I don't care what the rankings say. I think Houston's the second-best team in the American, and I think they're a legitimate, legitimate threat to UCF. Yeah, Houston's uh, Houston's a problem. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have them in the regular problem. season. Big, well, no, but, but you might get them in the conference title game. I, I got to tell you, I, that that's a toss-up. And But uh, that being – so you're, if we're not counting that game, I, I'm going to agree with Murph because – the South Florida game is one of those games, and, and it's the case with every rivalry. You throw out all the information and stats. Yeah. And, and throw it out. It doesn't matter. Data doesn't that, matter. That, 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 <laughs> that one doesn't matter. That's one of those where they're going to line up and they're going to play, and they're going to. you don't know what to expect and anything can happen. So I agree with Murph. I think South Florida is still a tricky game uh, from that standpoint. I know Navy's not good, but that kind of actually worries me a little bit. <laughs> as weird as that yeah, sounds. Yeah, you never know what Navy team you're going to get. Be- because, you know, you-, you could come out flat. You could come out this. Um, you could not tackle. <laughs> correct. Well, which oh, we, know, yeah. we still don't know. I mean, we still don't know. I mean, in fairness, now, you know, this defense we hasn't been tested, in my opinion. It hasn't. I mean, UConn's terrible. Pittsburgh's terrible. Uh, FAU's not, as turned out, is not anything special. I mean, you can make the argument, Jeff, in, to your to to your defense. Memphis, to this point, might be the best offense this UCF seen to this te- to this point. I think that'll change real quickly. But no, I'm not going to say it's a smooth sailing at all. I I don't buy. I'm I'm going to beat with Murph on that. I still think they'll go undefeated, but I don't think it's a smooth sailing. I, I if we've learned anything from the South Florida game is that uh, there's no such thing as smooth sailing. I mean, look at last year's game. Look at the year that USF was terrible and UCF was, you know, in the ranked there in 2013. And that game came down to the wire. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't say that at all. Well, I would, uh, you know, my whole thing about them going undefeated now, I don't think it's going to happen. I do include the conference title game and the bowl game as well. Like, let's just put that out there. Like, I'm, oh, look at this guy. Yes. Look at him backpedaling I, already. No, I am not. I said this from, from day one. Undefeated means not losing a game in the season. If the season includes a bowl game, that, that is wow. part of the season. But let's also say this. We've seen BYU beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin, and Army probably should have beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma. Right. So right. Yeah. to say that all of a sudden because UCF beat Memphis that Cincinnati's not a threat or that Navy's not a threat because those games are at home, uh, I mean, I, I'm not ruling out those games. And then certainly the USF game, Eric laid, out, laid all those points out. Uh, very fine. Like I said, those rivalry games you just can't really script. Uh, yeah, this is not. This is a. This is a hurdle. It's a significant hurdle, but there are still plenty left on uh, on the road ahead. Mm. Well, uh, 
one note that's I did. Why, that, that's why I think we should have a weekly column about Jeff Sharon here's, panics. Here's, here, about yeah, I'm all every UCF. <laughs> we'll, Doesn't we'll even have to be about the game. He might just panic about the weather. To yeah. panic about <laughs> the panic, the panic plays, button. I mean, yeah, we'll call it the panic be, button. Complain about Aaron Boone's managing decisions for leaving starters well, too early. I, I mean, can't. No, I, I'm not complaining Eric, about Aaron Boone. Eric, it's it's, it's too, too soon. soon. Yeah, it's, it's too, too soon. soon. <laughs> we, need, we need some time. I apologize. I apologize. I I didn't get ready for this podcast until eight minutes before it we started. Thank <laughs> oh, you. Hey, listen, you listen, listen. Not not all of us are involved in fantasy NBA drafts here. Okay. God. Anyway, um, one note. This I think is actually the the best statistic about this game coming up on Saturday. Uh, this will be the thirteenth meeting between UCF and Memphis. Memphis won the first meeting all the way back in nineteen ninety in the Liberty Bowl, a thirty seven twenty eight victory. The two teams did not play again until two thousand five. Since then, UCF has won eleven consecutive games against Memphis. They are 11-1 and all-time against Memphis uh, and have won the last 11. So, um, I, I mean, you would think that Memphis would have would have gotten UCF at some point, but they didn't play in 2014, 15, or 16. Um, the closest game between these two teams was a 26-24 UCF win in 2006 at the Liberty Bowl uh, as well. Of course, people remember the... Um, 2013 game uh, uh, the hit and the fumble uh, that, that resulted in uh, a, a late UCF touchdown that gave UCF the victory over the Tigers there um, I don't know I just I, 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 when do you ever see a team one team beat another that's in the same conference um, that one team has not beaten the other one since you know in 28 years I mean that's that's really something. I mean, you could probably see it if like. Are you like, picking Memphis? Are you picking Memphis? Go ahead. Are you taking Memphis? Ha, you're taking them. Past, re- past results have no impact on future results. You're Jeffrey. absolutely Come right. On. You're you're appealing to my rational brain. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with UCF, but I think it's gonna be close. <laughs> I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be close. In fact, in fact, I will. I, I'll say this. I think Memphis covers the four and a half. Oh wow. I think they cover the. I think they. I think they cover the four and a half. And I and and you'll have to. It, you know, the live blog may go dead at some point because <laughs> I will have fainted next to the computer. You know, while I'm monitoring it. Anyway, we will have Jeffrey, a. How, how many pairs of underwear will you have sitting next to you during this entire game? Because I feel like, I feel like your your whole life is at stake. Four, four one per quarter. You know, and, and I'm, you know, and I'm, and I'm getting the waterproof blankets as well. Anyway, um, three thirty kick Eastern time on ABC. Dave Lamont's doing the game with Ray, right. with former Buffalo Bill Ray Bentley. Um, by the way, Ray Bentley, go Google him when he played with the Buffalo Bills. You want to talk about a man who mastered the art of eye black, Ray Bentley, and uh, it's good to have Dave Lamont doing a UCF game as well. A guy who. We know quite uh, who uh, uh, we know from our uh, days that growing up in South Florida, Eric Lopez, longtime voice of the who was voice of the Canes, did sports talk radio down there. Good yep. guy, I've talked to him, done a great job at ESPN. Ray Bentley, obviously, uh, coach there, and then Alex Cordry, who was the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Rays up mm-hmm. until uh, I think a couple of years ago. Yeah, will be doing sideline. So good to crew. By the way, make a note. 
The game is on ABC and certain. I mean, depending on where you're listening to this, make sure you check your list TV listings because depending yes. on where you live, if you're especially if you're in the East Coast, most of the East Coast will get this game on ABC. Uh, whereas maybe if you're on the West Coast, you might be getting this game on ESPN two. Um, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, it's it's a switch between uh, uh, Washington and Oregon is the other game. In fact, uh, actually, I, I got this from five hundred six sports dot com. Basically, the 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 southeastern quarter of the country is going to get the um, is going to get the UCF um, Memphis game. So that's going to be you know basically from uh, from Missouri, Arkansas. Yeah, and uh, Louisiana, and then if and then you just draw a line across the northern border of Missouri, straight across to the east, and that's who's going to get UCF on um, on ABC, um, and then down. So the southeastern quarter of the country is going to get that game. Everybody else in the northeast, the upper Midwest, Chicago, uh, and then you know west of the uh and then west of basically Missouri and Arkansas are going to get um the Washington Oregon game on ABC. So, um but hey, I mean that's you know, UCF getting getting a chance to be on ABC for for a quarter of the country. Um can't I mean that's that's huge, man. That is really huge. You get the chance to win that game, that's going to be, you know, then you're looking then the TV schedule is going to get real interesting, isn't it, Eric Lopez? Yeah, it is. I mean, the East Carolina game is already announced. It'll be on ESPN two, and mm-hmm. uh, you know we'll see where it goes from there. And like I wrote on BlackAndGoldBanneret dot com, if they keep winning, you might have that big time show college game day come to Orlando maybe by November there maybe yeah. for that Cincinnati game. Although Danny White, Danny White was hitting at Navy. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, he spoke at the Touchdown Club, I believe, in Orlando, and he said they're trying to push, I guess, maybe the Navy game because it's Veterans Day. And yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, if I think that feels like a, one of those predetermined ideas that when people thought Navy was going to be good. But the problem is Navy's two and three, and they're probably going to be around three and six well, when they come down to Orlando. So are I, you I sure? Don't see- let, let me ask you this, though. Are you sure he <laughs> wouldn't drop that hint unless he got a phone call from somebody saying, No. No, okay. no, no, no. I can tell you for a fact. I can tell you this for a fact. For a As fact, someone who okay. Has been to, to been to three college game days, and I know people that work on that show, and I've seen it behind the scenes. They won't. It, they will not call the host school as far as hosting game day probably until two or three weeks before that particular game. So, not uh, so. They, so they won't like the, like no one is in advance saying, "Hey, UCF." We might, you know, we, 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 we might get with you here on this. No, I don't. Uh, not right now. Now it's too too far in advance for that because things change. Uh, could they have floated the idea of coming to UCF at some point? Yes, I think that is definitely possible. Okay, but I think remember, I think what happened is when you looked at the schedule, but Navy was the attractive game with being homecoming and spirit splash and all that. What has changed is. Cincinnati's the more attractive game. Cincinnati is the better team. Cincinnati's mm-hmm. in the top 25 right now. Cincinnati, that could be have impact in the American Conference Eastern Division race. That was not the case when we were thinking about this maybe in August and September. So that's yeah. why I think and, – and if you look at the schedules, and I broke it down on the article, not a lot of competition on November 17th, where there is, whereas in November 10th there's a lot of competition. In fact, I would argue that 
UCF Navy is not even the most attractive American conference game in November 10th. Cincinnati plays South Florida that day. Yeah, you might be right. Cincinnati. So I, I, I would be surprised if game day went to the Navy game. I think the best shot is going to be the game against Cincinnati. Plus, Florida A&M plays Bethune-Cookman in the Florida Classic. So game day could kind of pitch it as we're covering multiple events in Orlando. They've done that in the past. Uh, I don't see the Navy game, but I do think game day has a shot to come to Orlando in November as long as UCF wins and as long as the UCF fans, please, please, <laughs> leave the ESPN personalities alone. Please. Yeah, just stop. Stop whining. <laughs> I know you get mad because they don't they don't think they take you seriously. Get over it. Well, the more we win, the more they'll take us seriously. Plain and simple, exactly. right? Exactly. It's all so, good. It's all good. All right. So let's uh let's take a quick break. And uh when we return, Jeff Brightwell from uh the Memphis University Radio Network will join us. Uh longtime friend of ours from the American Digital Network as well. And uh, he'll break down Memphis for us when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team at Orlando Homes Express proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a very proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 UCF football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam to sell your home, he will list it for just 4.8% commission. And if you're buying a home with him, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash we sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Orlando Homes Express today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here at uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com, SB Nation's home for UCF sports. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. Uh, and uh, let's get to our guests. We're going to continue previewing UCF in Memphis. And joining us now, Jeff Brightwell from the uh, University of Memphis Radio Network. He does uh, the sideline reporting and the pre- and post-game show uh, for the Memphis Tigers, and uh, he's been a long t- he's been a pretty good friend of mine for a while. I'm um, going back to uh, American Athletic Conference baseball, but we're bringing him in to talk a little Memphis football. What's going on, Jeff? 
Hey guys, how are you? Good, man. Good. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. Uh, well, last time these two teams got together, it was uh, it was it was a heart racing day uh, for sure for everybody. That sixty two fifty five American Athletic Conference Championship game uh, in overtime. Trey Neal with the pick. Uh, a lot has changed since then, and a lot has stayed the same. Uh, for Memphis, um, Riley Ferguson, Anthony Miller are gone. Uh, for UCF, Trey Miller, who got the pick, is gone, as well as several other key defensive players. But some new guys have stepped in for both squads. We know about the UCF guys, but um, the Tigers right now, boy, it has been um, just an incredible season for Daryl Henderson. Um, what has he brought to this Memphis team this year that it was missing before? Uh, I don't Maybe a little bit more consistency in the, in the run game as far as the explosive plays. It was there last year, but you saw much, so much of Anthony Miller and Raleigh Ferguson last year is what the offense uh, relied on. Not that it didn't have talent at the other receivers and the other running backs, but, but Daryl's been such a, a highlight, and he's kind of had to shoulder the load because now his roles change from having a Riley Ferguson who had some experience and could win the ball games to kind of helping out the new quarterback and Brady White, of course, came from Arizona State. He's one of the first recruits for Mike Norvell when he was offensive coordinator at, at Arizona State. So Daryl and, uh, and Patrick Taylor, our other running back, uh, have really done a good job to kind of take the load off of Brady White in his first year because it's been three years since Brady White stepped on the football field. Yeah, and, and what a tremendous help it is to have two weapons like that. And I, and I thought, you know, I was watching the uh, um, the previous game against, uh, against uh, UConn, and – both Taylor and Henderson racked up, you know, over 100 yards. Henderson was just all over the place in that game. They both had three touchdowns. Um, it, how much of, a, of an adjustment has it been, really, for that entire offense to go from that pass-happy, you know, Riley Ferguson throwing the ball over the yard to um, getting uh, getting Henderson and Taylor on the outside and seeing what they can do with the football around the line of scrimmage? It's been a bit of an adjustment because just Brady White's a different quarterback than what we've seen out of the last two, and and Riley, and then you go back to Paxton Lynch, who was before Riley Ferguson, who these guys could really zing it downfield, open up the passing game. Buddy White, he can do that, but we're not doing it as much as far as those deep balls. So now we're starting to see a lot of teams, uh, Navy in particular, are really Tulane more than Navy, because Navy plays how Navy plays as far as stacking the box. But uh, And that then that lost to Tulane a couple of weeks ago. They, they stacked the box, dared us to uh, – to, to run it, try to pass it a little bit, and, and they kind of frustrated the Tigers that game. That was not the Tigers' best game. In fact, Mike Norbell said in two and a half seasons that was the worst game that he had seen. And it's one of those head scratchers. You know, every now and then a team, and no disrespect to Tulane, but a team just kind of comes out flat. And uh, Coach Norbell said he saw that in the warm-ups to Tulane. But, you know, it's, it's too late to kind of get on the guys in, in warm-ups. You didn't see it coming in practice. But we're seeing a lot of teams stack up the box now to try to stop this run game. So now – it's going to be up to the pass game, and when things have gone well this year, they've gone extremely well. Then when things have not gone well, he's kind of got frustrated a little bit, I think. Yeah. Here's the thing that scares me about Memphis, and I wrote on this on blackandgoldbanneret.com. The Tigers are 4-2. and two. In each of their four wins, they've scored at least 52 points. We know this team can score with the best of them, right up there with UCF and Alabama and all the top scoring teams in the country. You're playing this game at home, 2.30 local time, 3.30 Eastern kick, national television, ABC, UCF coming in with an 18-game winning streak, and UCF beat Memphis twice in Orlando last year, including that 
for Memphis fans was a heartbreaking loss um, in the American Athletic Conference Championship game, nearly making it all the way um, to that to that New Year's Six Bowl, nearly stealing the bid from UCF on their home field. You've been around the team for so long. You've been around them for this week in particular. How are they approaching this game? What, do they are they still do they have that that sixty two fifty five score like posted up in their locker rooms? Like, what is their attitude heading into this? I think the fans make a bigger deal of it than the actual team does. You know how teams get. They, uh, I mean, let's not lie. They do circle some games. I'm sure it's a game that's a lot of importance to them after last year. Uh, and for for the longtime veterans, your three and four year guys, have never beaten UCF. You got to remember, Memphis has not beaten UCF since UCF was a FCS school back yeah. in the early nineties. So we've not beaten them since we were either members of Conference USA or the Americans. So they're looking. You know, this this game has more implications than just that championship game. Uh, coming in with a record of four and two is not where Memphis expected it to be. I think uh, probably with the preseason expectations, a lot of people thought this would be two undefeated matching up or at least five and one. That Navy game could have gone either way. It was a one point loss, but I think a lot of people would have penciled us in as beating Tulane and at least being five and one in this ball game. Uh, but but it's big. It would help us get back to two and two in the league and maybe get those expectations as far as the preseason back on track for the Tigers and a chance to keep alive a you know a 10-win season if you can get a win like this then then maybe with a little bit of help you can manipulate some sort of a three-way tiebreaker in the west at the end of the season and make your way back to the championship game Jeff I was wondering uh about the defense I mean, you know when you play UCF you got to worry about the, the offense the up tempo and all the weapons they have on the outside do you think that Memphis has the pieces or at least they have some keys that will allow them to at least slow down the UCF offense? Early in the season, I want to say we'd had a lot better chance. We've really been banged up. This team's got 18 years, uh, only four playing in that Tulane game a couple of weeks ago. We were able to to get up big at the half and get some guys some rest the other day against the against the Huskies in that blowout win. Uh, I would imagine we're just going to see a lot of points in this ball game. It's going to be tough to stop either team, I think, in, in the long run. It, the possessions will be key here. I know in this ball game, you can't give up possessions. I and mean, we can talk about the defense, but the fact is, if you turn the ball over and you lose a possession or two in this game, I think I think you're toast in the ball game. You've got to hold on to the football. Uh, it'll be tough for the Tigers, though. They've got some experience in the backfield. T.J. Carter has been big for the Tigers the last uh, two years. He's a sophomore now, but he played really big as a freshman. We're starting to get a couple of guys back in the defense, so – Hopefully they're they're healed up and ready to go because it's going to be tough to stop. You've got two very explosive offenses that can score in a hurry. Tony Pollard, you know, last year and the last two years was one of the best return men right. in the country, and hasn't been as productive this year. And and they also haven't gotten him involved as much on offense. I, I figured they would get him more involved on offense. What has has something held him back? What is what is the, the deal with Pollard? Well, he's not getting the ball kicked to him at all this year. Uh, in fact, UConn's the first team that's really kicked to him, and he took a he took two squib kicks from UConn. So that's really all he's seeing. Uh, as far as his, his return production, uh, not only are they not kicking to him, uh, they're just kicking away, and the Tigers have tried everything. They've had Daryl Henderson on the return team. They've tried to flip-flop the guys before the team's kick. They've tried to go in motion. They've tried to hide Pollard behind Henderson, sack him kind of in the eye back there in the – five-yard line and the goal line. Uh, as far as offense and getting him involved, uh, they try to mix him in there, but right now just Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor take the bulk of the carries. and They're so deep, 
as far as the receivers, you take a look at John Williams, Coxey, uh, Sean Dykes. They're starting to get Joey Magnifico, uh, the tight end, a little bit more involved in the offense. He didn't have a lot of receptions early in the season, uh, but he's starting to pick up a little bit. But, I mean, Tony Bollard's got some play, but with, with Daryl Henderson in the backfield, it's tough to get carries. Mm-hmm. Henderson gets a lot of the attention, but I remember last year, I thought uh, me and Murph watching Anthony Miller in person, we were like, wow, yeah. this guy is incredible. And, of course, he's now with the Chicago Bears. Talk about the wide receivers. And, and you know, because it's a new quarterback wide receiving combos here with a new quarterback and the receivers because you had a lot of plays from Miller last year. Who has kind of stepped in there? Because they're going to have to probably make some passing plays against UCF yeah. here if, you know, uh, and, and if the Knights going to try and stop Henderson. Yeah, Demonte Coxey has been the big guy. Uh, he's played all six games, 30 receptions, averaging nearly 16 yards a catch, four touchdowns so far this year. Him and, and John Pop Williams have been the two kind of go-to guys. As you know, Pop's got 19 receptions on the season, but they've spread it around. You don't have any other than Coxey any big reception guys like you did with Miller. You, you knew if you were in a jam, it was going to be Roddy Ferguson to Anthony Miller last year. They're spreading around a little bit more. You're starting to see Sean Dykes get involved in the offense a little bit. They're using Henderson, uh, Pollard, uh, and Proctor out of, out of the backfield. Now starting to get the tight ends a little bit more involved. Like I said as well, Machine Slade's a guy uh, that you could watch. He's played five games. Only six receptions, but I think Machine could be really big for us. Antonio Gibson a little bit. But if you look back at the box scores of the game, uh, Brady has been able to consistently hit about – seven to nine guys per ball game instead of maybe last year where it was a little bit more you knew it was going to be Riley to to Anthony Miller especially when you were in a jam or needed a big play if if we, when we're watching the first quarter of this game in the first two possessions I would say for each team what's going to have to happen what should we look for that where you'll see that and say wow okay Memphis is going to have a pretty good day today. Well, I would just look for Daryl Henderson run. That's been his big thing in the first quarter this year. In fact, we've been scored on probably we've been down seven nothing several times so far in this game. Even to some of the a uh, couple of the Sun Belt schools we played. South Alabama went down and scored on us. Uh, Georgia State went down and scored us, and then Daryl just broke a huge run mm-hmm. to get the momentum back. Unfortunately, uh, the same thing happened at Tulane, but we were not able to carry that momentum down there. So. I would look for something big out of Daryl Henderson early. I wouldn't really look for a deep ball from Brady White like you would have out of Riley Ferguson. He's he's good downfield, but he just doesn't have – at least we've not seen that explosive, you know, big 40-yard bomb. It's more of a catch and move with possession uh, with Brady White. You know, it, it, it sounds to me like a, a very similar situation to what UCF did, uh, is, was running into with FAU and Lane Kiffin and their running back, Devin Singletary, who, you know – it, UCF jumps out fourteen nothing on everybody, but FAU is able to claw back and take that lead uh, right. before UCF turned things on. So, um, but I, I, you know, I do feel like just like you do that, we're going to see a lot of points scored in this ball game. Eighty one is the over under. It's actually up from seventy five and a half uh, is what it opened <laughs> under. What, what do you what do you think? Should we pound that over or what? <laughs> the the eighty one. If if if. if uh... Yeah, you know, I would probably take the over. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, I, if I did that type of stuff, I would probably take the the, the over in that one. I I could easily see this turning into what we saw last year down in Orlando. Yeah, it's it should well, be it should be fun. The weather's well, the supposed is, to be good the, too, right? Right, right. It's supposed to be in the upper sixties, uh, mostly sunny that game. The thing with Daryl Henderson too, it's not like it's not as if we're using him to control the clock. 
He's right. getting so many of these explosive plays that it's almost like a pass-happy offense. We, we can run the ball four times, and your possession's still only a minute and a half long. So that, that's kind of put our defense out there a couple times. If you look at our time of possession, it's kind of hung them out there a few times just because they don't get a huge rest over there. I'm sure it's similar to uh, the UCF's defense. They don't always get a big rest when they're over there on the sidelines. You guys are just as explosive as, as the Memphis Tigers. So it'll, it'll be a long day as far as the defense is probably having to be out there. It's going to be a lot of in and out for both of these teams. Yeah, it should be it should be a lot of fun because, uh, you know, as we – you know, like we mentioned, um, you've got – uh, interestingly enough, these are two teams that are in the hundreds in the in FBS in time of possession, yet they're the number eight and nine <laughs> rushing offenses in the country. When would you ever think to see that, that two of the top ten rushing offenses in the country would be amongst the worst in time of possession? It's such a such a yeah, – I guess that's football in 2018. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Right, you think, yeah, you'd, you'd think, think that they would be up there. Game, they're only up 20. Right, it's you know the usual suspects are up there like Georgia Tech, Navy, right. Army, Wisconsin, and then here's UCF and Memphis. Go figure. But anyway, Jeff Brightwell, thank you so much for joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Real quick, uh, where can UCF fans uh, follow your perspective on the Tigers? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Jeff A Brightwell. So don't forget the A. You'll get some uh, strange guy. So make sure you put the A in between Jeff and Brightwell. <laughs> and You'll get uh, some guy with his dog on his Twitter profile. <laughs> and last, and last thing for you: you ready for baseball season yet, or what? Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. We'll be uh, we'll be playing ball. I think we come back down to you guys this year. So I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing the renovations over at uh, at Bergman Field. They got the uh, press box and the new deck up yet. They have the press box uh, that, awesome. in, as far as it is, but I don't know if they'll have. I don't know if they have enough room for you to sit there. Murph knows more about that than me. Is that right, Murph? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. I, I'm going to regret. <laughs> oh, thanks. I understand, I understand <laughs> renovation time, David. No problem. <laughs> now he, yeah, he usually leaves that to me. All right, Jeff. Thanks for joining us, man. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks to our friend Jeff Brightwell again. Make sure you follow him at Jeff A Brightwell on Twitter. All right, let's uh, dive into some uh, Olympic sports here for you. And uh, Eric Lopez, I wanted to start with volleyball because, um, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not happy with the AVCA right now, the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Um, Todd Dagenet, uh on Twitter, you know, took to Twitter to sort of calm me down a little bit, but I'm still not happy about it. Um, the Knights this past weekend, very, very big weekend for UCF. Took both matches at home against uh, Tulsa and Wichita State, both in four. Uh, the reason why this is so huge, Tulsa was undefeated coming in uh, in the conference at 4-1, and one, uh, or, or excuse me, at 3-0, at, uh, at and oh, and Wichita State came in, uh, they were 3-1 and one in the league, but um, their RPI uh, were both very high. Uh, Wichita actually uh, was uh, 42nd in the uh, in the RPI, and I forgot where Tulsa was, but they were pretty high up there as well. UCF beat them both, uh, and uh, maintained their RPI at number 14 in the country. The Knights did um, by winning those two matches, uh, and I'll tell you, it was a lot of fun to watch that. I did PA for the Wichita State match. Uh, and this match was just, a, uh, it was one where, um, I've never seen Todd Dagenet as fired up after a match, uh, as he was that day, but, 
Um, double doubles from Aaron Olsen and uh, and McKenna Melville in the match. Um, as UCF actually lost the first set and then came back and won uh, three in a row. Uh, and as a team, the Knights hit uh, 248 in the match and held Wichita to 198 uh, as a team. Uh, leading the way was uh, uh, Anne-Marie Watson with uh, 15 kills. Melville had 14, 12 more from Christina Fisher in, in that match. So it was just very evenly distributed across the front uh, front line. Brianna Garcia had seven kills, but they were all very timely. Uh, and then uh, Jordan Pingle, 23 digs. Um, and she is, uh, this weekend, she may very well become UCF's all-time leading uh, leader in digs. She's within reach uh, in the next uh, couple matches. But nonetheless, right now, volleyball is 14-3, 5-0 in the American, 8-0 at home. And yet, Eric Lopez, no love in the AVCA coaches poll. Even with a number 14 RPI, UCF didn't even risk, didn't even score enough to see their, uh, get enough votes to see their name in the receiving votes category, which to be fair, does list, uh, does list those teams that appeared on at least two ballots. Six teams mentioned only had one ballot, but UCF wasn't even mentioned in, in, in any more than one ballot. What in the world is going on here? You tell me, Mr. Volleyball. I mean, people I, I, complain about where football is being ranked. I mean, it's nothing compared to what volleyball is. Um, look, let me ask. I, there, I by the way, I should mention, by the way, Cincinnati is receiving votes in from the American. They're the only other American team, American Athletic Conference team receiving votes. To be fair, they're 14-4, and 5-0. and UCF is 14-3, and 5-0. But still, the only the only reason why I think Cincinnati's getting votes, I hate to say it, is because they have Jordan Thompson and UCF does not. Well, and they made the tournament more recent. They made it a couple years ago, um, whereas UCF hasn't been to the tournament in 2014. Okay, well, but doesn't that aren't they supposed to throw that out though? If it's true about football, it should be true about volleyball too, right? Clearly, they don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I think volleyball of all the sports, and you know, I mean, I'm not a volleyball guru, but I've talked to people around it. I mean, it's clear. You're, if you're in the Big Ten, you're in the Pac-12, heck, West Coast Conference, um, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. If you're in the Big 12, if you're Nebraska, I mean, if you're the Texases of the world, I mean, those are going to dominate. And, and to me, I would argue that of all the sports, of all the Olympic sports, of all those major sports, I feel like volleyball is the most anti non-power, uh, you know, like oh, whatever yeah. you want to describe it, mid-major, <laughs> don't you think? I mean, yeah. isn't that a part of that? And UCF, and I, I think what's interesting, I think we're, we're trying to see where the benefit of the, the UCF brand, how does it impact in certain sports? Like, I feel like in baseball, for example, we've seen how baseball, they've gotten the benefit of the doubt. There's been times where they've been ranked when you're like, really? They should be, really? They're ranked? <laughs> um, so I feel like baseball, for example, has a good brand name. They get the benefit of the doubt. I feel like women's soccer will get the benefit of the doubt. Um you know, I think softball recently has gotten a little more respect in that. But then I think there's other sports that maybe they don't. And I think volleyball's in, the, in that category, Jeff, where for whatever the reason, I don't think UCF looked at as a volleyball program, or at least very good. It's interesting. I've looked at some interesting, like volleyball prep, for example. They've got their projections for the NCAA tournament. They have UCF ranked in the 30s. Uh, and, they, and, and the other thing that worries me, 
uh, I looked at the RPI numbers. The American Conference currently is the seventh strongest conference. They're only number seven. Uh, when they were a multiple bid league two years ago, they were the sixth rated conference. So right. clearly, I just don't think people respect the league, and I don't think they think the league is that great, and I don't think they're respecting the UCF's wins. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I, that's the only thing I can come up with. Uh, but still, that is inexp- it's just unexplainable and unacceptable to not get more than a vote. Let's say if you're even right. generous and you say yeah, that I- I'm they not got, saying that they not should not even get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they should be even ranked in the top 25. But you get you get no more than one person, no more than one yeah. coach in the entire country voted for UCF on their ballot. That's preposterous. Now, now let me now I'll throw another because I know this from softball polls and I know this from other sports. Some coaches vote for coaches they like, that they're friends, and some oh, coaches yeah. vote for coaches they don't like. Is I mean, I, I like Todd. You like Todd. I mean, could there but we be don't a, have votes, there, <laughs> right? So are, are are some of these people that are not voting for UCF? Do they not like Todd for whatever the reason? I don't know. I'm not. I'm just throwing out ideas of what because there's no other reason. No, I mean, I'm not the. You, they should be getting votes. That's all we're saying. To not get more than a vote, and that's assuming they got a vote, and I don't think they've gotten a vote. It's unbelievable to me. I think we need to sick uh, hashtag UCF Twitter Mafia on the volleyball coaches. Uh, something. No. I mean, it's just kind of wild. <laughs> no. I mean, people want – I mean, it's the – no, it's terrible, and I feel bad for, you know, because they're having a great year. They are. They are. This is, this is the they, best year the UCF volleyball's had, I think, since – they won the conference four years ago. Are they better than the 2014? I know it's early, but are, wow. I mean, from what yeah. you've seen, can they be that 2014 team, which was the team that won the league and got to the NCAAs? Are they better than that team? Are they on par with that team? That see, okay, here's the difference. These two te- th- those two teams. If I was comparing the two, they're two sides of the same coin. This team, like we mentioned, as we mentioned before, all the freshmen and the and sophomores who are who are the key players on this team. Only one senior. In Jordan Pingle. Um, this team is incredibly talented now uh, and will only get better as the next two to three years unfold. The 2014 team, that was the year when everything that Todd had been building for the previous six years just clicked at the same time. It's like, it, it was like all of a sudden the puzzle pieces just came together and fit perfectly right. That team had the advantage of veteran leadership experience on top of the talent that it had. I mean, Delana Sarden, I mean, what can you say? I mean, you know, all-American candidate, um, <clears throat> one of the greatest players in school history and always and will always be known as that. This team might have the best the, the, this team might actually be more talented than that team just in terms of raw talent but the other teams but the 2014 team if you could fire up the Madden machine and do this the 2014 team would have the advantage in that they they know all the tricks okay so that that would be my take on that now fast forward to next year assuming that um that the returnees are who they who we expect them to be um and they and you get the recruits that UCF is looking for in the next in the next year or two. Uh, something special is brewing for this team, so they're definitely worth um, checking out. They're back. Uh, excuse me. They uh, yeah, that's right. They are home this weekend for the Northeastern teams. Temple on Friday at seven, 
UConn Sunday at one. Uh, Temple is uh, they're well, they're off to a rough start. Four and thirteen overall, one and four in the league. UConn's ten and eight, but two and three in the league. Um, so a chance for UCF to again, you know, hold serve at home before you go back on the road for ECU and Cincinnati, and a chance to see history. Jordan Pingle very close to uh, two thousand digs. Interesting. Interestingly enough, that, that career milestone, 2,000 digs, the all-time UCF record for most digs by a player is Meredith Murphy ha- has it at the moment, and she's at 1,999. So wow. at two, so if and when Jordan Pingle hits for, two, hits for dig number 2,000, she not only eclipses, becomes the first UCF player to eclipse that milestone, obviously, she also instantaneously becomes the number one dig leader in UCF history, so. Wow. All right. By the way, I have this is the uh, the information here from the I was mentioning earlier, the prepvolleyball.com. They have a, a field of 64 that they, they project every week who they think will be the 64 teams that make the tournament and they rank them. And they have two teams in from the American Conference. They have Cincinnati, who they have ranked 28th and they have UCF in ranked 39th. Hmm. So they're thinking that the Cincinnati UCF matchup is going to be obviously very critical going forward. Uh, again, UCF well, plays that match on yeah. the road coming up, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Yeah. So they right now they're projecting a two bid league for the league, and they believe it's UCF. Uh, but even but then what's interesting to me, and maybe down the road we'll get I'll try to get somebody from Prep Volleyball. Um, they're still ranked low at thirty nine, which is kind yeah. of interesting. I. I I don't know what what's the issue there uh, at all there, Jeff. It's kind of interesting, but like you know, Coach Dagenet's right though. I mean, it doesn't matter. You, it, the beauty of volleyball, if you win, doesn't matter. You're going to get into the field, and at that point, mm-hmm. that's the goal. So at least right. they can control that, unlike other sports. But it's very interesting that they can't get more than a vote. <laughs> that's I, it's unbelievable to me. Anyway, that's your uh, sport there, Jeffrey. Let's I, listen. I'm not you know I, I'm out there I'm out there tooting the horn here. Here we are. I mean I'm. I'm playing the Reveille for UCF, and no one seems to be listening. Anyway, um, you know who's really making a charge? UCF men's soccer, speaking of segues. Um, the uh, Knights once again, 8-2-1 uh, and one on the season right now. Uh, most recently, a 4-3 victory at Tulsa uh, last Saturday. They have uh, a game coming up, a huge game coming up on Friday, and it is a nationally televised game. Game UCF against UConn at home on ESPNU Friday at 4 p.m. Friday, October 12th, 4 p.m. UCF against uh, UConn on ESPNU. Here's the deal. Here's the thing that I think is interesting about UCF right now. Two and one in the league. UConn, by the way, two zero and one. UCF is second in the American at this moment. The Knights lead the nation in shots per game. They shoot the ball at the goal 20 times per game on average that is pretty remarkable when you think about it that's well that's total shots shots on goal per game they've got 98 shots on goal in 11 games that's 8.9 a game that's also tops in the country and one of the chief beneficiaries of that has been uh without doubt uh cal jennings who is currently second in the country in goals um, and interestingly, I, we'll, we'll go. We'll take a look at this for a second. But total goals, he has um, 
he has 14 goals. He's two ahead of the guy in third, Javier Carbonell of, of Georgia Southern. Interestingly, he's seven goals behind the guy ahead of him in first, is Andrei Shinyashiki of the University of Denver. Um, Cal, we can go go on and on about how how great Cal is. Um, this guy Shin Yashiki is having a, an unbelievable year for Denver. They've lost only uh, they've lost only once in thirteen games. Uh, Denver has. They're, in fact, it was their most recent game against the University of Virginia. Uh, he has a four goal game. I think three hat tricks, three two goal games. I, I mean, he's uh, of their twenty eight goals of Denver's twenty eight goals this season. He scored twenty one of them. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, also uh, uh, Eric Lopez, he actually went to Montverde Academy for high school. So he has some Central Florida ties, Andre Shinishiki does. Uh, as far as UCF is concerned, however, like we said, you know, we look at the rankings in the RPI, UCF is 32nd right now. Uh, UConn is 13th, so that tells you how big that game is on Friday at 4 p.m. In the United Soccer Coaches poll, uh, UCF came in at 19th uh, in the most recent um, in the most recent rankings. Imagine that, Jeffrey, a team that's winning getting into the poll. Unbelievable, huh? right? At, at, at 8-2-1, nonetheless. Uh, they're 19th, and UConn is 20th, back-to-back. There you go, in the American, uh, in, the, uh, in the coaches' polls. At least the men's soccer coaches are paying attention. Um, North Carolina, by the way, is uh, is number one, uh, and they're nine and one on the season. So, uh, uh, Coach Calabrese, by the way, who just passed the, uh, I believe, the two hundred win milestone uh, for his career, um, it's just all come together. And we we were worried about you know last year, you know, when we had him preseason, Eric, like where's the scoring going to come from? Cal Jennings looked like he was pretty good at the end of last year, and he said, well, it's going to be a team effort. Well, Cal Jennings, turns out, has gotten even better. Um, and it's good to see this team is finally getting this recognition. Now you get this um, now you get this nationally televised stage for UCF soccer. And, and uh, I, I don't remember the last time men's, UCF men's soccer was on national TV. Do you? Well, I mean, if you want to count last year's championship game against SMU when they got to the conference title game, that was, I believe, I was on ESPN News uh, when they got to the conference. As far as regular season game, no, uh, not at all. Um, I mean, it's very seldom that the Ameri- you know, they, they get soccer on. I mean, this is a big deal. Uh, to them to pick up this game is huge. And it might be the two best – I mean, based on the rankings, are the two best teams in the men's soccer. By the way, the Ameri- – how about this stat? The men's soccer right now is currently the sixth-rated conference in men's soccer. Um, in the American, which is really good in yeah. the America. Yeah, they're the sixth-rated conference in comparison. We Power mentioned, six, I mentioned baby. earlier. Volleyball. That's right. Volleyball is seventh, as I mentioned. Women's soccer is seventh. Uh, so men's soccer is right now. If you go based on the RPI conference rankings, is right now the number one Olympic sport, at least for this year, anyway. And that's as a Big showcase game with two teams that a lot of people are projecting to make the field of the tournament, which really amazing job. Again, Scott Calabrese. Can we just kind of give a shout out? I mean, this is just his second year. Um, and and ever since, ironically enough, I go back to a year ago when they went to UConn. UConn was ranked, hadn't given up a goal in conference play, and UCF went in there and upset UConn. Mm-hmm. This program, that was a turning point for this program because since then, UCF men's soccer has been on a different level. The only reason they didn't make the tournament last year is because they ran out of time. You know, they go, we go back to yeah. the whole scheduling thing. 
Um, but they have been incredible to watch. And I hope, I know it's tricky with a four o'clock start time. That's TV for you. But I, you know, because originally it is, this it is a Friday. If you get out of work early, head on down to UCF. I, I hope so. And they, and they had a great crowd, I know, when they beat SMU earlier this year at home. That's a big match. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it, if not be, you know, there. And I hope they get a great crowd. And it's a fun product. It's an exciting yeah. product. Think about what you just said. It's what, one of the top offenses in UCF. Now, Connecticut is traditionally one of the top defenses in the country. So it's a really mm-hmm. a contrast of styles. And they met in the semifinals last year. There was a UCF one one nothing, But UConn looked like scored a tying goal late in that match. But they didn't rule it that the ball was in, even though the replay showed that it was. Right. So they had a controversial. So, so these two teams have kind of in this last year have had some memorable matches and maybe building a rivalry here in men's soccer. You mentioned how good UConn's defense is. They're actually tied for first uh, in the American in total goals allowed. They've only allowed 10 goals all year. To put that into perspective, uh, UCF has scored 30 as a team this year, and they're averaging 2.73 a game, which is more than one goal per game ahead of the second-place team in uh, in the American. That's that's USF. Um, But, you know, again, this is... This is starting to get really interesting for uh, for UCF men's soccer now as they head down the stretch. Remember, they only they only have a few um, uh, a few uh, conference games because there's not that many teams in the American UCF right now fifth in the country in goals at 30. There are only five teams that have scored that many. Wake Forest is number one at 38. But um, <clears throat> yeah, you got UConn, and then Tuesday the 16th, Florida Gulf Coast uh, comes in uh, as well. So. Uh, two key games for UCF at home, and then USF sat next Saturday, October the twentieth, and then USF, and then at Memphis, and then home for Cincinnati, and then that's it. That's the end of the yeah. season. So that's so. This is the final. Uh, this UConn game is their fifth to last game. It starts the final five game stretch heading down, heading down the stretch for UCF men's soccer. So again, ESPNU Friday four p.m. at the UCF Soccer Complex, number nineteen UCF against number twenty UConn. Make sure you get there. Uh, if you're heading out there, uh, I'm going to try and get down there for that uh, Friday. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. All right, me, uh, women's soccer. The uh, here they are, women's soccer at six four and one. And we mentioned Eric before that you know after that loss to East Carolina, there's basically no room for error at this point. Um, but they came up big against Cincinnati, a double overtime. Two to one uh, victory for the Knights. Uh, game-winning goal scored by uh, Madison Mernon for UCF as they were down one nothing, and they uh, got a goal in uh, the 85th minute by Steph Sanders, and then uh, or, or excuse me, uh, Kristen Scott scored the goal uh, in the 85th minute, and then Steph Sanders scored the game winner in the 101st minute uh, against Cincinnati for UCF to um, to come up with the two to one victory. Uh, here's where they stand in the American right now. UCF is in fourth place. Actually, excuse me, they're tied for third with USF at three and one. Memphis is four and zero. Houston is three two and one. Of course, who does UCF have next on the schedule? You guessed it, the Memphis Tigers. Thursday at eight p.m. Uh, that game will be streamed actually on Memphis's website. But this is a critical game for UCF because. Like we said, Memphis is undefeated in the conference. They are 4-0. and They are 12-1 and overall. 
And in the RPI right now, Memphis is number 12. Uh, UCF currently falling in. And we got to keep on scrolling in order to find him here. Uh, in fact, let's do Command F. UCF is 88th in the RPI at 6-4-1. So, again, now or never for Tiffany Roberts and Haydax team, uh, if they want to even be it, it, have a remote shot at an at-large bid if they don't win the tournament to try and give them that margin for error. I don't think they have that margin for error, Eric. Still, still do you? Like, can this Memphis game, can this Memphis game kind of erase some of those earlier slip-ups? It's hard. You know, here's the problem, and I think last week it was an example. They beat Cincinnati. They got the result they needed against Cincinnati, but they lost in overtime to East Carolina. Yeah. So you kind of it was a wash. You know, and, and I know and listening to Coach Sahadek, I mean, she feels that they haven't caught some breaks with the ball, and you know, the result they probably deserve and things. But yeah, I mean, the Memphis is a must-win. Uh, I, you look, you could still. I mean, they're still in the mix for the regular season title. I think they need a win here to have a shot to win the regular season title. If they don't win this match against Memphis, um, odds are they're going to have to win the conference tournament to get into the field of 64. Their RPI is too high. Do, do you uh, think that they, do, do they get in? Would they get? I forget if there's a rule in soccer where they would. Do they get an auto bid for winning the regular season? No, they get a no. bid for okay. the tournament. It's, okay, it's gotcha. Just like. So it's automatic bids the conference tournament. So uh, they they that's what it's they, you know. But the thing is, remember, whoever wins the regular season title gets to host the conference tournament. That's remember, right. UCF got to host it last year as a result of winning the regular season title. I mean, I think USF's very good. They got maybe the best player in the in the conference with one of the top goal scorers. And Memphis is very good. And that yeah. and UCF's the tough part about the schedule is UCF's got to go to Memphis as you mentioned, and then at the end the regular season going to South Florida. So. This is a must-win, and uh, to to kind of stay in there because I think it's Memphis or South Florida is the main threats to win the regular season title. Um, is you know, and then potentially UCF may have to go back to either Memphis or South Florida to win the regular season title if UCF does not win the regular season title. So, if you're UCF, you rather be at home and control your fate as far as to make the tournament. But I, yeah. I don't know, Jeff. It's it's a high RPI. We dealt with this in softball this past year where they had some great wins, but they had some losses that hurt the RPI. And unfortunately, as you know, we discussed it during the softball. If you have a very high RPI, you're not going to get in. And I, I think it's the same here. So I, I think you're right. I think it's a very slim deal. But they, ha I mean, any chance they have as an at-large and any chance – I mean, it's a big match anyway from a regular season title standpoint. But, yeah, they must uh, get this win – against uh, Memphis. So they also have five matches left. Three of them are on the road. At Memphis, and, and do, do you know if the RPI factors in road and road versus home? I think it does. I couldn't tell you top I, of my yeah, head. We would, well, uh, that, think, they should. I mean, I, every sport does it. Formula is different, but yeah. I know we'll have to softball call up, does. We'll have to call up Chris on that and see and see what he tells us. But yeah. um, Memphis is 12th. In the RPI, that's who UCF plays next. Tulsa is 220th. You're not going to get any help from that game, but you better nope. not lose it. All right. Right. Um, SMU after that. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pull up SMU. They are 96. Not going to get that much help either. And then Houston and uh, Houston and USF. Houston is. Um, 141st in the RPI, and then South Florida is uh, 49th. So, 
a little bit of help if you get that game. So uh, basically, I, well, I, I think just based on that is, I mean, th- th- this is your, this is, this is your task. You see, if you got to win out, you got to win that, you, yeah. you got to, you got to knock this thing out and, uh, and take care of business, especially against, uh, obviously, uh, this, this game with Memphis and against, uh, and against USF. The game, um, if you go to UCFnights.com, uh, you'll see the watch link on Memphis's site. And then also Tulsa has a watch link up for, their, for that game as well. Memphis game is Thursday, October the 11th, 8 p.m. Tulsa, Sunday, 2 p.m. Uh, again, and the links are up there uh, via those schools for you to be able to watch um, those games. All right. Real quick, Eric Lopez. Um, and we'll finish up with this. Now, you were inspired by one Brian Murphy uh, to uh, go check out some fall softball. And it was your first chance uh, meeting uh, Coach Cindy Ball Malone, or Coach Bear, as she's known, uh, for the UC- for UCF softball, heading into her first year. They're playing fall ball right now. Um, we know how, y- y- you know, you are Mr. You are the softball woge, of course, as we all know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Your thoughts, man. It's uh, you know I know fall ball is underway. How's the team looking? How's Coach Bear adjusting to uh, uh, joining UCF? Oh, well, I had a chance to talk to her afterwards. I got to see them up close in the fall ball, and it was the first time I've done a historic day. First, first game for Coach Bear, as she likes to be referenced. Uh, first game, game coach there for UCF the past Friday, and they won eleven to two. But you know it's harder. It's fall ball. You, it's not. You can only take so much out of it. There were certain players that didn't play and things like that, and they're trying different things. But the scores are about know, as I, meaningful as my son's t-ball games. But anyway, go sure, ahead. sure. But it was just fascinating to see them in person and see some of the different things they're trying to do there, especially in pitching. I mean, Aaliyah White had nine strikeouts in four innings of pitch. She looked good as they expected. The question is what's going to be behind her. They got a couple of freshmen uh, behind her, and of course Sierra Ward, who's the walk-on. A sophomore coming in. Uh, Brianna Vasquez is a kid from California that threw a couple innings there. That's going to be interesting. But I was fascinated just to to meet Coach uh, Bear because I didn't get a chance to meet her. I know you interviewed her when she got hired, Mm -hmm. uh, but I had a chance to talk to her a little bit about what's it like, how's the the transition going uh, as we speak. I think she's still moving into uh, her new house. Actually, she's been living in a hotel. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And welcome to life in college softball. I know, and she's got Uh, two small kids too. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with recruiting and everything, been very busy. Uh, here's a clip. Here's a portion of an interview that I had with her following the first fall ball game uh, with her thoughts on how things are going here with uh, the new journey here at UCF. Well, Coach, you just finished off your first game uh, as the UCF head coach. How does it feel? It's great. You know, I'm really excited to get out here with them. Um, we've been practicing a lot for quite a long time, so it was great to see them just play. Um and I really enjoyed watching them execute a lot of the things we've been working on. Obviously, you're, you're getting used to these players. They're getting used to you. How has that been going so far? It's so early in the fall, but, you know, you're trying to learn what they can do, and they're trying to learn you, your staff. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, it's been a lot of just we're meeting and we're, we're going through our curriculum with um, proactive coaching um, and just really digging into our character and our culture um, together as a team. So. Uh, a lot of honest conversations and having to do a lot of icebreakers to get to know each other, like you said. Um, but we understand that that's a process and it takes time. And I, my expectation for them and for myself and the staff is that we enjoy the process. This It's a beautiful weather here in Orlando. I, I'm, I'm assuming you've gotten accustomed to it? Um, I'm getting better with it. You know, I, I came out here and I think I lasted about 15, 20 minutes thrown live to the girls. 
in the first week and now I'm lasting about a good hour, hour and a half. So I, I came home and bragged to my husband about it. So I think that I'm getting used to it for sure. A lot of times when a new coach takes over a program, you know, you're kind of trying to find, you know, you don't have a lot of talent players. That's not the case here. You've got some players to work with starting at the circle with Aaliyah White. Just kind of discuss kind of getting used to knowing Aaliyah. Sure, sure. Well, I think the, the program's in a really good spot. And so I, I'm blessed to be handed a very good program and, um, the talent, like you said, Aaliyah, uh, she's just fun to work with, you know, and uh, it's going to be cool to have her be have different looks as a pitcher. Um, and we kind of did that today and approached innings like, OK, you get this and this and you only get the drop and the rise. And uh, she's just a sponge. Um, and that's what's cool is you've got a first team all region pitcher that's willing to learn. Um, and that's very rare in our game at times. But she's a great leader. Uh, an awesome competitor and again fun to work with and always learning what's your philosophy as coaching because I've noticed you're more watching you even you're hands-on involved with the hitting but you're also involved with the pitching so do you delegate as far as handling the pitchers kind of what's your philosophy of that yeah we're just kind of get to know each other you know Kendra has been around some great coaches great pitchers she's a great pitcher herself Um, and so she's she's really the day-to-day with the pitching staff and I kind of oversee Mm -hmm. and I think if I'm doing my job as a head coach, I delegate as much as I can, and I'm able to oversee everything as a whole because uh, it's important for each individual player on our team to get time with me. Uh, if I'm in just one area, that that's hard to have, yeah. you know, to have that happen. So uh, you didn't get to see our other two members on staff today. They're with Team Canada right now, but um, you know they're also very great and uh, they bring so much depth to our to our staff as well. So when when we're all here. Uh, I kind of feel like I don't know if I have a job or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good, pretty good. It's, good. it's a good problem. You also got, you retain Coach Tiff, who's been here, and that's got to help you that knows yeah. someone that knows what the ins and outs of the program, not just uh, from the player standpoint, but from the university standpoint, from a travel standpoint, all that thing. Yeah, and I, that's what I would say, like, I think in all roles, her role is the one where she's, you know, really had to um, make transition in learning my system and what I like, but she's been so great and just being being good with the new stuff and really helping us like you said like where do we go to find our paycheck or (laughs) how do we how do we get our travel set up and um, we haven't had those issues and so I I kind of pat myself on the back and say like that's the smartest move I made because she's she's really my right hand man in that way so I'll say right-hand woman. There you go. Very good. Uh, I've noticed on social media a lot of team bonding events, a lot of team togetherness. That seems like that's a big part of your philosophy, that you want these teams to build, to get along and have chemistry even off the field that can translate on the field. Sure. Well, we spend so much time together, right? And we're our family away from our family. And, um, I mean, our number one rule is to be a great teammate. Uh, And I think that when these ladies understand that it's not just about softball, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, we're still going to be a family, even if we haven't seen each other in those many years. So um, the bigger picture is that, you know, we we grow as people and we develop as people. So family is huge. What is uh, anything surprised you so far? I know it's so early in your in your position. Is there anything surprised you either about from the player standpoint or just the school? Anything that's jumped out at you since you've taken the job? Um, I think the the big surprise is like I got in here. I'm like, okay, it's big, <laughs> and then I've been around more. I'm like, yeah, it's really big, <laughs> but it's it's awesome. You know, like there's still so much connectiveness. You know, connection and us being out here as a softball. Um, 
we kind of are on our own island, but so many people come and visit us. We're, we have a lot of investment from the school, from the staff. Our people are great. You know, it's just great to see. Um, we had academics here. We had um, leadership here. I mean, Kelly comes out, you know, in the fall for us. So um, our staff is just very supportive and awesome. And I will also go to say, Oh, and we had our, our uh, strength coach here. I mean, he was here the whole game, 10 innings, you know. So I would, I would go as far as to say that the other thing, too, is um, super blessed to have so much athleticism. I mean, that not like it's a surprise, but it's like this is a good feeling, you know, because um, athleticism never slumps. It is, especially because I know you've talked about it. When you took over Boise, you had to build that up from scratch. Sure. Whereas here, you don't. Like yeah. you're taking over, and that's got to be a nice feeling where you can just kind of go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, this doesn't take away from how great this program is here. It was it was a very hard transition because that was my family for four sure. years, and we went through so many, um, you know, going from the bottom to the top. Uh, there's a lot that you, you learn and build together. So um, that athleticism there, and I would just say, like, it didn't skip a beat when I got here. So that part's been a- amazing. They they learn concepts so fast here and that's exciting and it, it makes my job very challenging to be able to say okay now I got to be a coach I don't have to work on those little things so that's been a fun a fun challenge for me I know you got a chance to go to watch a UCF football game in person have you checked out anything of the city whether it be uh, Disney Universal I know with the kids that, that could be a popular <laughs> yeah, destination yeah. I'm assuming we haven't done Disney yet they're still young enough where we don't have to do that <laughs> they won't get mad at us but um what I would say, you know, I have family here, so we visited them and just kind of getting to know the area. Hoping to get into our home soon, so, um, you know, we're just taking it day by day and um, just enjoying really everything. There's so much to take in, but I know I'll have to come hit up some of the, the locals here to, yeah. to learn the ways. A lot of things to do. Last thing, obviously, it's so early in the fall, so take me through the process here. What, what, the, what the players, what you want them to do from a daily basis here as you get them ready before you know the season. Yeah. Well, you know what, um, with us, as far as day-to-day basis, it's really just focusing on, like, what the, the few things and objectives that we set forth, and we just keep doing it over and over and over again. Like, we get in, and they're like, okay, what are we doing? I'm like, oh, we're going to do the same thing as yesterday. And um, we really take pride in the little things, like cuts and relays and um, bunt defense and uh, just playing catch and... Um, we just get really good at that, and that's what we've been focusing on. And I was I was really surprised uh, or excited to see the girls do that in the game today. I know we kind of had that one inning, but I loved how we came back, got a double play, and you know found our way out of it. So um, on a day-to-day basis, we're just constantly working to get better and, again, enjoying that process. Well, it's a beginning, so uh, welcome officially and uh, enjoy. We'll be uh, talking soon. Thank you. There is my uh, chat with Coach Bear, as she likes to be referenced, uh, in her first after her first fall ball game. Of course, the Knights uh, have a double header in fall ball on the 12th, on Friday the 12th, by the way. We didn't have enough going on <laughs> on campus with the big men's soccer match. <laughs> and then a couple dates to keep in mind, Jeff, as we'll get it, you know, October 19th, Friday night, UCF will host Florida. The Gators will be here for fall ball. You don't see that ever. Um, and then October 20th, UCF's going to play Team China. Uh, so uh, hmm. a lot of fall ball action, but is that the actual you know, Chinese national team? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Chinese national team. Um, don't be surprised if you see another international team get added. By the way, uh, uh, at some point in the next few months. But um, got a chance to talk to her for the first time. 
Obviously, you got a chance to talk to her. Very impressed, very fascinated by the fact she, as you mentioned, as you heard in the interview, she delegates a lot. You have Kendra Lynch, who's the assistant course, just played at North Carolina from 2014 to 2017. She's a two-way player, was a pitcher and an outfielder. She spent last season as a grad assistant uh, with Florida State, helping him win the national title. So Kendra is kind of involved with the pitching staff, handling the pitching staff, but obviously uh, Sydney sees oversees that, and then she's obviously involved with the offense. And why not? Yeah, you know, Boise State was number one last year in batting average. So uh, obviously she's going to be involved in the offense, and I think it'll be good. I think the players have bought in. Uh, but it's interesting how she delegates and lets uh, her staff do it with you know different things and with you know Kendra Lynch, as I mentioned, doing. Uh, handling the pitching, she oversees that, but she also is involved in the offense. So very interesting uh, to meet her. I think she's still settling in. I think she's impressed, as you heard, with the resources that she has and uh, things like that. And so there, she's still fitting in, and I think the players are still getting comfortable with her, and she's getting used to the players. But as you know, Jeff, as I mentioned in the interview, a lot of times when a new coach takes over a program, maybe they, you know, they don't know what they have to work with. She's got a good roster to work with. The cover's not bare. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I thought it was interesting that, you know, she – this has the potential to be uh, to be interesting to be a, an interesting sort of uh, sort of refresh of the program, don't you? I do. It's going to be very interesting. Now we'll see as the fall develops. Uh, as I mentioned, they play Florida on the nineteenth of October. They will play Team China on the twentieth. They have some more fall ball games after that. They might mm-hmm. add another international team down the road. So they're going to be tested, and they're going to you know I think it's going to be interesting. You have a lot of players back. But, you know, who's going to be the number two behind Aaliyah White? You know, they got to yeah. get some innings there behind Aaliyah. That's been kind of an issue the last two seasons since Aaliyah's been here. And then, you know, how much can she improve this offense? Uh, she, you know, helped that Boise State offense be one of the top offenses, but that was in the Mountain West. Can she bring that into UCF with the players that she has? I, I think that's going to be some fascinating competition as far as who's in the lineup there and uh, which players and where they play them, too, will be very interesting. So, uh, you know, it's fun to see. It was fun to see out there. And, you know, I know in talking to her, I think she understands, too, that, um, you know, as, as she gets settled in, she's got to bring the alumni involved, get involved with that and get to know them and and things like that. So uh, but, you know, they're selling in and it's uh, it's fun. It was fun to be out there. I had to go out there because I wasn't going to let Murph show me up by going to fall ball. And baseball, <laughs> I tell you that right now. I, I just wasn't going to happen. Let's get Murph. By, back the way, in here, by the way. Yeah, go ahead. I mean. As far as we're talking about fall ball, I mean, uh, UCF baseball, they win uh, their opener uh, against Seminole State last week, which I was, yes, I was there for. And then uh, they win uh, at Disney against the Canadian Junior National Team, 17-1. to That game sort of follows the old uh, philosophical thought of if a baseball game is played and no one is there to see it, does it actually happen? Because no one was allowed to actually watch that game because it was held at Sounds Disney. Like- Sounds like a Tampa Bay Rays home game. I mean, and Miami oh, Marlins. Wow. Well, well, I, this is this is uncalled for. Well, I well, listen, we we should be you know because there was some consternation on Twitter about that, right? Like, why can't we go see the game? First of all, it's fall ball, man. Second of all, it's <laughs> it's not UCF's fault that that happened. That is all right. on the mouse, man. That is all oh, no, Disney. Bro. So, like, so. No, look, I'm happy to hear. Listen, I'm going to defend the people that were like wanted to go. I mean, me and Murph are sickos. I mean, we I've gone yeah. to fall ball every year, so I, I can't look. I mean, diehards want to go and they want to see what the new people out there. And it's no different, by the way, than people that go out to spring practice and football. I actually think you learn more in spring 
fall ball with softball and baseball than you do in football, quite Listen, honestly. Yeah, well, you could pro- you could probably learn more by just you know following Greg Lovelady on Twitter and then asking him wrestling questions. Yeah, I know. Well, Bert, have you asked him yet about the Shawn Michaels you know, coming back thing? I mean, I, this I is a big story. I didn't, and I should have asked him last Sunday. Eric, you know, he wears a wrestling shirt every Sunday yeah. to the ballpark. And I didn't ask him on the Sunday fall ball game against Seminole State if he was wearing like a Mankind shirt or a Flair shirt. I, I should have asked him. I totally forgot. That was, that was way, not I, intended to be more, a segue. I have one more Jeffrey, 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 get out of the way. Jeffrey, get out of the way for one minute. <laughs> All right. I'll be, right I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, they do. They have. They, they actually have one more football game here, and actually, it's a part of this apparently stacked uh, fr- Friday on campus athletics. It's actually this Friday against uh, oh. St. Leo, but with but with everything else going on, I mean, no one will be there for that. Probably. Are you going to be there? I will not be there because Segway. I'll be in Memphis. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he'll be. In, He's traveling, baby. Uh, Murph. Well. So, all right. We're, we're, well, Murph, you and I, we're going to have to do this assignment at some point this fall. You're going to get Love Lady for his fall recap, and we have to address the Shawn Michaels because it's bothering me. It's really bothering me yes. that he's coming back after eight and a half, and I'm curious. It's what so you bad, uh, Eric. Eric, this this past Raw. Just look at this past Raw. You had quote unquote Degeneration X get back together. They're ah. in their fifties. Trish Stratus yeah. shows up. They have a tag team match set up. With Kane and Undertaker, is this 1997? Get out of this. This has to end. Yeah, we need to address that with him. By the way, Jeff, I have this. Can I pitch an idea uh, for UCF? (laughs) No, no, this is not wrestling, I swear. Okay, okay, I'll allow it then. So I want to pitch this. So Oklahoma, right, in a couple of weeks, they're going to have their softball team play the baseball team. It's kind of a charitable thing. Could we maybe do that down the road? Maybe have a little softball versus baseball, kind of a fun little activity uh, deal there. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? I'm, May, I'm the wrong May. guy to ask. If if they if, if they if they did it, I'd be there. Yeah, I'd love to okay. be there. I'd love to. Be there. We I remember I remember back when I was a junior, uh, softball had a uh, like a, a media versus the team kind of like you know fun game. And I remember taking a couple pitches from Lindy, Lindsay Enders, and then like running toward the, running to the dugout. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it was, it was. I I love those kinds of things. I think it's fun because you know, I, and you can bring like the camera out, well, and, you know, ha- and have a lot of fun. Throw it out there, so. yeah. Throw it out there. You know, maybe we do something leading up to media day in the spring. There, I mean, yeah. I know next week men's and women's basketball are going to have their media day. I believe, right? I mean, it's, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying. So I'm just I- saying. Jeff, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up something that we talked about for about 60% of the podcast last week. How was the Phil Collins concert? It was outstanding. Oh, yeah. It was outstanding. Nick Collins was a phenomenal <laughs> drummer for his dad. I will say that. Um, and uh, and the, show was, the show was really good. Uh, Phil is obviously, uh, is obviously slowing down quite a bit. Um, and uh, and he's his body is an absolute mess. I mean, it, you know, in terms of like how many times, he's, <laughs> no, his his spinal cord is a wreck. Um, I know his foot got completely messed up, broke it, it, mm-hmm. it broke it a couple of times. Um, you know, and so you know it, it's kind of hard. He doesn't get around on stage. He actually sits in a chair, 
and sings from and sings from a chair. But um, the musicians around him were sharp. The show was really good. Um, the uh, it, it was it, it, he played all the hits. And interestingly enough, if you're a Gen- if you're a Genesis Phil Collins fan, um, if you get the chance to see him. Uh, he played three Genesis songs in his uh, in his Phil Collins set, which, by the way, he he it's you know known that uh, he would never play Genesis songs in his solo tours and his solo shows. But Genesis isn't getting back back together again, and uh, and so he's he played uh, three Genesis songs. So that was actually pretty cool to see. So uh, so I got my fill. I, I I checked I checked it off the bucket list. I'm, I was happy. So happy for you. Me too, incidentally. So, um, all right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Brian, what you got coming up this week? Uh, as I know, you're travel. Like we said, you're traveling out to Memphis uh, for the yeah, game. You're heading out to the Liberty Bowl, man. Yeah, it'd be my third game at the Liberty Bowl. You're I was hit there. Beale Street or what? Uh, if I have time, you know, it's a three thirty game or two thirty game, so you get a three hour game, and then a few hours to to do what I do after the game, which is called potent quotables. Uh, which is basically I take everything from the press conference and sort of synthesize the best parts of what was said best during the post game press conference and content uh, if that's ever if it's hashtag content <laughs> if that's all done by like I don't know eight nine o'clock you know you might see a boy you might see yeah, a boy hanging out third, so this is your third I know you went to the what a, uh, the Liberty Bowl against Mississippi State right right. Went to Liberty Bowl against Mississippi State with all the cowbells where UCF lost to uh, Anthony Dixon. And the uh, and the Bulldogs, yes. uh, and then I went the following year. Every and then in 2008, I went to every road game. Uh, for, oh so like God. Boston College, Boston College. They had a UA, they had a uh, Southern Miss game that year. Uh, this was Conference USA, obviously. And then they uh, had a game at Memphis back when Memphis uh, actually still had a live tiger on the sidelines. Um, Who won that? that I, I don't know, Jeff. You could probably pull that up. 2008 uh, UCF football schedule. 2008 football schedule. Divide, and, divided uh, by divided by three. I think it was UCF that won that game. Really? I I just know that the following the team around that whole year, it was not it was not a good team. Not it was not a good team. <laughs> no, 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 no. But they but, uh, but they did so get that yeah. win against Memphis, considering that the last time UCF lost to Memphis was 1990. So. That's fact. Yeah, yeah. Why wasn't I paying? Why wasn't I paying attention earlier? <laughs> in the podcast? There'll be a quiz uh, later. Twenty-eight, twenty-one. UCF won. That was the last. Yeah, November twenty-second. Uh, yeah, they that was that was Memphis's a, a last big, best chance prior to the conference championship game last year. <laughs> in front of a packed house of eighteen thousand, going. To, uh, it, it says here. It was a. Wow. It was a. It was a very chilly day in Memphis. And then, well, this is, I'm just getting off track now. After that game, I went to a uh, Memphis. Arizona basketball game uh, just down the road at FedEx nice. Forum. And and that was back when Coach Cow was in Memphis. And that and more people showed up to the basketball game than the football game. Oh, that well, that was that was like number six Memphis versus number four Arizona. That was huge. So yeah, was actually huge. more people did show up. To yeah, that game it was a great game. By the way, a little cute stat here from that Memphis staff in 08. Ready for this? So Tommy West, Tommy was West, the head yeah. Coach. Uh-huh. Memphis mm-hmm. went six and seven that year. The offensive coordinator, a guy by the name of Clay Helton. Oh wow! Wow! No, huh. no kidding. Now the head coach at USC. Uh, was uh, was Justin Fuente on that staff too, or no? Uh, I don't see him listed. Uh, I can try and look the more detail. By the way, that year Memphis lost in the St. People to South Florida, forty-one to fourteen. Oof. Hmm. 
That was well. That was the Mac, conference that, mates think, later too. That had to be. Wasn't that Mac? That was the Mac Grothy USF. That teams. was Mac Grothy USF. Was By the it? way, uh, yeah. Justin Fuente was the running backs coach at TCU at that time. So uh, he didn't come go. to Memphis until uh, 2012 after being. Well, I'm happy. Co-OC I'm, I'm happy UCF. I'm, I'm happy UCF won that game because I would be otherwise. Then Jeff would have legitimate concerns with his article <laughs> with Earth going yeah, to Memphis. Of <laughs> so. uh, Elo, what do you got coming up? I know you're going to be keeping an eye on those TV ratings after that ABC game. Yes, hopefully we bounce back. I could tell you the reason I didn't post the SMU numbers is because they weren't very good. <laughs> you know, it's not good when they it doesn't it doesn't like register in the rankings. So it's going to take an extra few days just to get those numbers. But it was not very good for the SMU game. I guess people aren't interested in watching the pony attack, I guess, or whatever. But yes, obviously, the Memphis, the TV numbers I'll be following uh, very closely on that. And obviously watching the Memphis game, we'll be tweeting out from that game. And uh, uh, obviously, I might be breaking news in softball because we have a firing at FIU. So there might be some weird softball tweets you'll oh, get on Eric right. Lopez. <laughs> Softball so woad strikes October. again. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just it's an elo. It's an elo bomb. An off-season elo bomb. All right. <laughs> uh, there, there is no such thing as I've learned. So yeah, well, just throw a little bit of tweaks there, and um, I finished. Uh, you know, getting ready for the NBA season, going a week away, which will be fun, yeah. and then college basketball. So I mean, it's going to get busier here, boys. It's going to get a lot busier. Yeah, we're approaching the fall equinox. <laughs> ah, there it is. That's what I was waiting yep. on. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm going to be captaining the, uh, live stream or, or not the live stream, but the, uh, live game thread once again, uh, this Saturday, uh, we'll start, it'll start up an hour before game time. It'll go all the way through post game. Um, black and gold banneret.com is where you want to go, uh, to follow all that. I know uh, I will be on that on Twitter. Uh, I know that you will as well, uh, Brian, and hopefully we'll have a few other mm-hmm. people kind of jump in as well. As the uh, as the situation allows, but uh, nonetheless, it's going to be this is a big weekend, man. UCF against Memphis in the Liberty Bowl, three thirty on ABC. If you're in the southeastern United States, uh, ESPN two. If you're not, check your local listings uh, for where the game is on in your area. So as we uh, wrap it up here at blackandgoldbanneret.com and the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, it should be a lot of fun this coming up uh, this weekend, guys. Thanks again. I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Jeffrey. All right. Don't forget to follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can follow us at UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. Brian is at Spokes underscore Murphy. Facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret as well. And subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Leave us a rating. Send us a comment. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, It does help other UCF fans find our podcast when you give us reviews especially on apple podcasts so for brian murphy and eric lopez i'm jeff sharon thanks for listening this has been the black and gold banneret podcast